0: Welcome back to the Claim the Stage podcast. I'm Angela Lucier. I am your host. The Claim the Stage podcast is for women who are interested in becoming paid speakers. If that's you, you are in the right place. Now, typically I interview someone during an episode of my show and I try to talk about all things that have to do with speaking, like how to ask for money, how to negotiate, you know, how to get over your fears, how to work with the speakers bureau, a lot of different subjects that Kind of hover around this central topic of public speaking. But today, I'm not going to interview anyone. I want to talk to you about a, a gigantic experience I had in my life this year and what it meant to me, what I learned from it, and how it might be useful to you too. And I also want to give you a challenge at the end of this episode to push you to try something you think you can't do. Because this experience I'm going to share with you was something that if, some, if someone said six months ago, hey, what do you wanna go do this thing? I would've said, no, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not someone who does that. And if you've ever said no to something because you think you're quote, not that kind of person, I wanna challenge you to think twice about that. Is it true that you're not that kind of person or is it that you've never done that before and you could become that person if you tried? What I learned from this experience is that I am that kind of person. (laughs) But I would not have known that if I didn't say yes. So without further ado, let's get into my experience hiking a 75-mile trail. In May of this year, my friend, who has hiked the entire Appalachian Trail, asked me if I wanted to take a three-day hiking trip to the White Mountains in New Hampshire. She and a friend of mine and me were planning to take this trip at the end of June. And it was just, it was a simple trip. It was, I think it was like 17 miles total over the course of three days. That's not a ton of hiking. If you've ever hiked in the white mountains, you probably know that (laughs) hiking the mountain is like hiking a staircase for five straight miles. And it is relentless. That was the hardest hike I'd ever taken up to that point. I'm not much of a hiker to begin with. I love going for walks. I love yoga. I love bike rides. And I'm not talking like long distance bike rides. I like to like ride my bike four or five miles and then come home. (laughs) Um, I like to lift weights. I'm not really into intense sports. I've never really pushed myself physically before. So the idea of of hiking 17 miles over three days felt doable, but it also felt like a stretch to me. Like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm with these people who are more experienced than me. What if I fall behind? What if I get hurt? How am I going to get out? You know, I felt like I didn't have The structure and the experience and the background to just be out in the woods for three days. But I trusted my friend who has done that for months on end. And I felt like no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay because I'm with her. So the day comes in June. We had planned a month out. We figured out our food. We put together these food lists of everything we were going to eat so we could carry everything on our backs. She, my friend, Danielle made a whole packing list for us of what we needed to put in our packs, like long pants, hats, mittens, even though it was June, the mountains are, the weather changes quickly and it can be cold and rainy and windy. And then the next minute it can be sunny. So you have to be prepared for anything. She told us to bring flip-flops for camp. She told us to bring toilet paper for the woods. And so we had this whole list of things we had to pack. We get up to the white mountains we're hiking up this, you know, boulder staircase for hours and hours. And I'm feeling like, wow, I'm so tired right now. This is so scary. If It's so dangerous. I don't know what I'm doing. What did I get myself into? This is crazy. (laughs) And we get to the top and it felt like the most amazing feeling in the world. Like I'm looking around going, all right, like, I feel like I can do anything right now. Like if someone needs a heart transplant, just ask me because I am ready. Is that if anyone needs a house built, please come this way because I feel like I possess the skills to do anything right now. Cause I just climbed a mountain that was full of boulders for five straight miles and seven hours or whatever it took us. And I am ready To conquer the world. (laughs) And it was the best feeling in the world. We set up our tent. We made dinner over a stove. We played cards in our tent. And the next day we hiked across the Franconia Ridge, which is a beautiful uh, bare mountain. It's like, you know, it's above the tree line. So you are hiking just in the dirt and you can see everything around you. And it's so beautiful. And we hiked seven miles the next day. And then, you know, came back to camp, cooked dinner, hung out. And the next day we walked back down the mountain, the five miles and went home. And it was a great weekend. And I felt like, wow, I just went hiking and camping overnight for three days in a row. I've never done that before. That wasn't that hard. That was a lot easier than I thought it was. Like I didn't get eaten by a bear. I didn't fall. I was able to do it physically. I could carry myself where I needed to go. I'm sore and my feet hurt and I have some blisters, but it's not terrible. So I got back from that weekend and, you know, ate a giant cheeseburger and slept on the couch for a day and felt really good about myself. I felt really confident and prepared and just like, I was in a new mindset, like, wow, maybe I'm not pushing myself enough in my life every day because I hit that point so many times on the hike of feeling like, oh my God, I'm so tired. I can't keep going. But then I would get up and just keep going. And then it would happen like an hour later and I'd go, oh my God, I can't keep going. But when you're on a trail, it's not like you have a choice. Like either way, you have to keep going, even if you go back down the mountain. So in these moments in your life or in my life, when I'm tired at the end of the day and I don't want to do any more work and I go, okay, time to pack up my laptop and go home. Maybe those are moments when I could say, maybe I could do another half hour. Am I really pushing myself, or am I just sort of giving in to every single feeling I have during the day that's not pointing in the direction of productivity or continuing to work on what I'm working on? So that hike really started to get me thinking about my own limitations and beliefs about who I am and how I should be treating myself in those moments when things get hard, and I'm definitely someone who likes to push myself and challenge myself and, and do things I've never done before, but I kind of feel like I might've gotten too comfortable with quitting early and just like when things got too hard, just kind of throwing in the towel and saying, okay, I'm going to, you know, go to sleep or (laughs) I'm going to try something else. This isn't working. And that hike really reminded me that just because it's painful or you're tired or it's difficult, maybe it's not really time to throw in the towel. After that hike in June, I did more hiking, just a lot of day trips. I went to uh, Grayson Highlands on the Appalachian Trail in Virginia, which was a really easy 10-mile day, just kind of walking around meadows and really short mountains. I did a Mount Greylock on the Appalachian Trail in Massachusetts, which is a, I think it's a 5,000-foot mountain, and just some other one-day trips. And my friend who who's the experienced hiker who I hiked the white mountains with said, why don't we do a seven day hiking trip? Do you think you can do it? And my first thought was no, absolutely not. I'm not that kind of hiker. I don't do long distance hikes. I'm a weekend hiker, a day hiker. But then I thought she knows what she's doing. So if I go with someone who knows what they're doing, like I did, And the White Mountains, there's probably a good chance I'll be okay. And I basically just followed her lead. She made another packing list. We made our food plan. We went grocery shopping. We got lots of, you know, pasta and beef jerky and fried, um, dried fruit, trail mix, peanut butter, tortilla wraps, lots of things that, you know, can stay in your pack for a couple days that hold a lot of calories aren't too heavy, except for the peanut butter and trail mix, and that have some calories that can keep you going. The week leading up to the trip, I was really excited about it. I was starting to pack my my clothes and all my gear and getting stuff ready at home and with my business and just trying to like get in the right headspace and feeling like, wow, this is going to be huge. Like, I have no idea how my body is going to react. I've never done anything like this before. What if I like get hurt and I started to go back into that cycle of, of fear and anxiety and like what if I see a bear and what if I get hit by lightning <laughs> like what if it rains what if my boots get wet and my feet and my socks are wet that's like my worst nightmare is having wet socks so I'm having all these thoughts and you know my friends trying to answer my 7000 questions which she's doing a great job at but the more questions she answers the more questions I have Finally, the day comes that we, you know, throw our packs in the car. We drive to Maine, we were going to, uh, North central Maine. We started in Stratton, Maine, and we are hiking to Monson, Maine, and it's a 75 mile strip of the Appalachian trail. And all my friends said was, this is one of my favorite sections of the trail. It's so beautiful and scenic, and I'm so excited to be going back. She never never mentioned anything about the difficulty level. She never mentioned anything about the roots and the rocks. And she didn't mention how many mountains we would be climbing. And I never thought to ask because I'm not an experienced hiker, so it just didn't cross my mind. I had no idea what I was in for, and I just kind of went along with what she was kind of interested in doing. We end up parking in Monson. We got a shuttle back to Stratton. And we get into the woods and we've got all of our stuff. And and the shuttle, the guy who drove us is like, all right, have a great hike. And he leaves and we're just standing there in the woods. And I realized in that moment, we're standing in the woods, 75 miles away from our car with no one around. And all we have to do for the next seven days is walk. And I started to get really nervous. I started thinking, what if I can't do it? What if I get tired? What if I'm too sore? What if, you know, all the what ifs? And my friend said, let's just start walking. Let's just see how it goes. I thought, all right, I mean, we have nothing else to do. (laughs) And our first day, we were planning to walk five miles up a mountain and camp at the top. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it was a 4,000 foot elevation mountain. And we just started hiking. And I had, I should mention that my backpack was 50 pounds. Five zero. Have you ever carried a 50 pound backpack? I hadn't. The backpack I had in the White Mountains was maybe 25 or 30 pounds. It was only for three days. This was for seven days. I had more food. We weren't planning on making any resupply stops to get more food along the way. And I had more clothes because we were in north central Maine and we could have hit rain and colder weather, and you never know. We had our tent, we had our sleeping pads, our sleeping bags and lots of water, and so my pack was 50 pounds, and it was gigantic, and it's my husband's pack, which doesn't even fit me, and at the time, it didn't cross my mind that that would be a big deal, because remember, I don't know anything about hiking, <laughs> I just threw a backpack on with lots of stuff in it, and took off. <laughs> we're walking on the trail, and we get up to the top of the mountain around 7 o'clock, and it's it's still pretty light out, we, we're starving, we're so tired, it's like... There's nothing going on up the top of the mountain. There's one group like far away from us. It's just kind of us and our little campsite. We set up our tent, we make macaroni and cheese and we brought a uh, bag full of spinach and we threw the spinach in and cooked it in the boiling water with the pasta and ate that with our shells and cheese. And it was like Thanksgiving dinner. I don't know if you've ever had a meal when you're exhausted and starving, But you could be eating peanut butter on a cardboard box and it could taste amazing. Now imagine shells and cheese with spinach. And it's like you're living large, really large. Every bite, ecstasy. Just like (laughs) so amazing. And I remember at the end of that night and every night we would say highs and lows, like what was the high point of our day? What was the low point of our day? And I remember when my friend asked, what was the high point of your day? I said, the macaroni and cheese, without a doubt. (laughs) It was so exciting. I still remember that feeling of like, oh my God, is this all we have? This is the best meal ever. I could eat this all night long and being really excited about it. And what happened when we were making the macaroni and cheese was I was pouring all the spinach into the boiling water and a couple of the leaves fell down on the ground and I grabbed them and I threw them into the woods. And my friend said, where, where did you put those, those leaves that, that fell out of the bowl? And I said, Oh, I threw them in the woods. And she looked panicked and horrified at the same time. And she said, you can't do that. And I was like, why? She said, whatever you bring in, you have to take with you. And I said, well, it was leaves. Like there's like bushes right there. It's like the same thing. And she said, no, it's not. Leave no trace. That's micro trash and you have to take it with you. And she was so serious about that. And that's when I realized I was entering a brand new culture that I did not belong to. And I could belong to it, but I needed to learn the rules. And I did not know the rules at all. And when I saw that look of horror on her face over three spinach leaves, I knew this is a whole different place and I need to think differently. I need to ask more questions and I need to be aware of my surroundings and what's expected on this trail. So I found those three spinach leaves and I threw them in my trash bag. We each had our own trash bags in our packs so that you can keep all of your empty packages and, you know, lids and all the stuff that you would typically throw in a trash can, you keep in your trash bag in your pack. So that was my first lesson, was leave no trace. And I, for the rest of the trip, I was very good about that. I woke up the next day, it was uh, Monday morning. We got there on Sunday, and my legs were not happy at all. And you know, when you sleep on the ground, I had a blow up sleeping pad, but I'm, you know, we're essentially sleeping on the ground. And our, our, tent unzips like a, in the C formation. So you kind of have this like big opening. And when I unzipped the tent in the morning, I tried to stand up and I fell over and and I basically crawled out of the sleeping bag and rolled onto the ground. I don't know if you can imagine that, but just like this six foot tall person, like Mm -hmm. looking like like a bug kind of walking on all fours and just doing a roll out of the tent. It was not graceful and it hurt a lot, but I could not get, I couldn't figure out a way to get out cause you can't stand in the tent and my legs were so tired. They couldn't hold me half up. It was just kind of weird. So I had to roll out of the tent and, <laughs> and sort of like limp to the privy, which is the bathroom and, you know it's just it smells so bad in there and it's so dark and it's like full of spiders and moths and the other option is just like to pee in the woods which you can do but i chose when we were at the campsites to go to the bathroom in the privy and then limp back to the campsite and you know in the morning it's like all you're doing is trying to to pack up everything you unpacked the night before and do it quickly and get some food in you and get back on the trail right away like that's your goal because you're burning sunlight And you want to make sure you get to your next destination before it gets dark. Because if you get there when it's dark, it's harder to set up. It's harder to do everything. It's harder to find things. It just makes it, you know, a little bit more frustrating because you're tired and you just want to, like, lie down and put your feet up and you want to eat dinner and you want to stare at nothing. (laughs) And the longer it takes you to get set up and ready to go in the morning, you know, the more time you're wasting. So we would get up every morning between 5.30 and 6.15. And in the beginning, we set an alarm, but then we just got so used to it that we were able to do that every day. And on that second day, my friend had the the Appalachian Trail map, which is really awesome. If you've ever been on the trail or seen it, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's called the AWOL um, booklet, or I don't know, the Wall book. And it maps out every mile of the trail, and it shows you the elevation, and it shows you where resupplies are where the shelters are where you can get water any interesting landmark along the way is is listed mile by mile and so it's super helpful because you can see what's coming up you know what kind of hike you have in store for you that day And you can really plan your whole hike using this book. So she had this section of the book with us on the trail and she showed me what that day looked like. And she said, it's a 10 mile hike. We're going to go up and over these two mountains and along this ridge. And she points out at them and she shows me those are the the mountains we're climbing over. Now we were already on the top of a mountain when she showed me that. So they didn't look big to me, but I found out that day that they were huge. (laughs) They were Two, five thousand mile or five thousand foot um, mountains. and then the ridge was very long, and then you had we had to walk down it. And I was not happy that day because I was already really sore. and I had this 50 pound backpack that barely fit me, and it was chafing my shoulders because it was so heavy and it didn't fit right. And the hip strap where you're supposed to put the bulk of the weight, didn't fit me right either. So that was another huge problem because it was like tweaking everything in my back and my shoulders and my neck and it was just like so every step was painful and it was only the second day. And I remember at one point toward the afternoon, maybe after like 7 miles, getting so angry. And we were walking along the edge of this mountain and I thought I'm going to throw my backpack down the side of this mountain right now. <laughs> and, like <laughs> I said to my friend who was hiking ahead of me, she was only like 10 feet ahead. I said, Hey, and I was pretty serious. I'm like, we have to stop. And she was, Oh, okay. What's up? I'm like, I just have to stop. And I threw my backpack down on the ground. I didn't throw it down the mountain I realized like that would just been really stupid because I don't have to go get it. I just threw it down on the, on the ground next to me. And there was this huge rock ahead of me, which is like why I stopped because I could not get myself up this, the face of this rock because everything was so tired and sore and I just sat down with my back to her with my back up against this cool rock finally just like feeling some relief because my back was so hot from this big backpack and the cool rock was was cooling it off and to not have all this extra weight on my back felt really good and to not be moving for one second in the day felt really like it just felt like I was taking care of myself and I was listening to my body. And that felt really good. And I was like really mad at my friend because she, when she showed me the map, I, I felt like she led me to believe that it was a really simple hike that day. And she was kind of like, yeah, no big deal. Just go up over these mountains and down this ridge. Got it. And I'm not sure if she was doing that because she didn't want to set the bar too high or make me scared. Or if she was doing that because in her mind, it's really not a big deal. But I was so mad at her at that moment. Cause I felt set up like, how could she lead me to believe this is an easy hike today? Because it's not, it's a really hard hike, especially with this backpack on. And like, can I even trust her? And do I even know her? And who is this person? <laughs> and I started like having all these feelings of regret for coming out in the woods with this person who I thought was my friend, but who obviously isn't my friend. Cause would a friend ever do that to me? And I got like, so all up in my head about it. like, I can't trust anybody and I'm so pissed that I'm here. And why did I do this to myself? <laughs> and then I just see this hand come over my shoulder and it's, she's holding, my friend is holding a handful of trail mix and she like puts it right near my face and she goes, do you want some? I was like, yeah. And she pours it into my hand and this trail mix was amazing. It had peanuts, almonds, almonds, dried cherries and little peanut butter cups. And when you're starving and you're like pissed at the world and you eat a tiny peanut butter cup with a dried cherry, your life becomes way better. And with every bite of the snacks, I started to feel better and happier and clearer and less mad at my friend. And my energy started to return. And I realized extreme hunger is what led me to that moment. I wasn't paying attention to the signs and recognizing that I don't normally do 5 to 10 hours of straight activity like that every day. So my body was craving calories to keep up with what I was burning. And I didn't know that because I'm not used to that kind of lifestyle. And so when I got to that moment where I wanted to throw my backpack over the mountain and, you know, punch my friend in the face, I realized it was cause I was starving <laughs> and she knew that. And that's why she gave me the trail mix <laughs> after 10 or 15 minutes. I got up and I looked at her and I was like, all right, we can keep going. And we hiked the whole rest of the way that day silently. Cause I think she knew being an experienced hiker, That I was having a lot of feelings that day about this hike, about her, about myself, about pain. And she wanted to just let me be with those feelings and thoughts, which looking back, I really am thankful for. And it gave me that time to think about like, what is this hike all about? And why did I decide to come and do this? And like, what? prompted me to want to pack a bag and put myself in the woods for seven days because I've never done anything like this before it just doesn't like why would I do this and that answer didn't come right away but I was really curious about what what was motivating me to begin with it just seemed like a crazy thing I just set off and did one day and I was really scared of the woods I would hear you know a stick crack and I would think oh, oh my God, is that a bear? Is that a moose? Is that a fox? Having no idea what was around me, I was constantly scared of walking into an animal that could hurt us. And also just feeling scared about not knowing when we were going to find more water because it hadn't rained very much all summer. That was constantly on my mind. I was constantly thinking about my business and what do I want to do with my work and what, what am I doing with my work? <laughs> Where am I going with this? And do I like my house? And all kinds of questions about like everybody in my life and every decision I've ever made. And my mind was just racing in circles. Like it would not stop with all of the questions and the fears and the anxiety and It was so loud in my head that second day. It felt like I couldn't get away from it. The faster I hiked, the the louder the voices got. I had nowhere to go. I couldn't get away. And I realized, like, when that happens to me in my regular life, like when I'm working and just at home, I normally turn those voices off by doing something like cooking and making a meal or going online and reading something or watching TV. And... When I didn't have those escapes, I had to f- listen to them and I had to live through it, <laughs> which was scary because it was really intense. But what I noticed was by day three and four, the voices got quieter. And by, by probably the end of day four, the voices were gone. My voice was silent. My, my head was silent for the first time in my whole entire life. And I'm someone who has this like constant wheel going in my head of all these ideas and questions and worries and projections of the futures and just like, it's nonstop. I'm sure many of you listening can relate to this. And for the first time in my whole life, on that day four of the hike, my head was clear. I had nothing going on in there. (laughs) It was so cool, (laughs) but let me not jump ahead. So at the end of day two, we get to our next campsite, we cook dinner, you know, everything's great. We have, well, there's a little stream there. We can wash some of our clothes. We can kind of swim around in there a little bit, have, you know, have our meal. And I think we got to camp at like six o'clock and by seven 30, we were in our tent and sleeping. I mean, like not only is there really nothing to do once it gets dark at your campsite, but you're so tired that you don't want to do anything. And we were so dirty that. Like we could kind of wash ourselves off in the stream and that was great, but you know, you're still dirty. You're just kind of like living in the woods. And that was a whole new thing for me too. Cause I'm, I, you know, I take a shower all the time. I'm always washing my hair. I'm wearing clean clothes, brushing my teeth In the woods. You're not doing any of those things. You're brushing your teeth, but you're not washing your hair. You're not washing your clothes. You might get them wet, but you're not getting, you're not washing things. So you're covered in, you know, layers of sweat, layers of dirt, layers of bug spray, sunscreen, you're just kind of living in it. And at first I was like grossed out by myself and I had these wet naps and I was wiping my legs and my arms and my back and my face. And I felt like, okay, I kind of took a shower, like I'm kind of clean, but it's like, you just, you live in it because that's what you're doing. It's just a different, you're like an animal out there. You're just living in what you're living in. And it's not it's not a priority anymore once you're doing it for a couple of days. So by the end of day three, we had to wake up at, well, I should say that day three, we had to wake up at five because we were going to catch a, uh, a canoe. <laughs> there's only one place on the whole Appalachian Trail where you have to take a canoe across a river because it's too deep to ford. And it was, we were about to walk on it. It's the Caratunk, Caratunk? It's it's in Caratunk. It's not the name of the river. I can't remember the name of the river, but there's a river there. And we were like, okay, if we want to walk 13 miles today, to get to that ferry or that canoe, we have to get up at five and we have to start hiking right away. And I don't know what happened to me because it was another one of those mornings where I rolled out of my tent and had the hardest time. I was limping around, could barely walk. And I knew if I want to get across this river tonight, I have to hike these 13 miles in the next seven hours. And We didn't actually start hiking at 5 because you have to pack up your tent, eat breakfast, do all those things. So I think we ended up starting to hike at 5.45, and we hiked so fast. This day, I I remembered that I could do a walking meditation, which was something I learned when I learned transcendental meditation five years ago, and I learned again when I went to a Buddhist retreat Mm -hmm. weekend that Walking meditation is an amazing way to clear your mind and calm your thoughts and focus your mind. But I always forget to do it because I'm always thinking of a hundred thousand things and I'm going in a hundred thousand directions. But on this day, I thought, Oh, I'm going to try that walking meditation thing. I learned like 400 times and I started doing it. The way I was doing it was I was repeating my mantra from transcendental meditation in my mind as I walked, and that was all I was doing. And whenever my mind started to wander to other thoughts, I would just bring it back to this mantra. And I did it for hours. And my friend was tracking the, uh, the time and the miles on her watch, and we stopped, I think, around 9 a.m. for a snack, and she said, hey, we've already walked five miles. We have a great pace going here. We're walking really fast. Let's keep it up and we'll get there in time. And I was so proud of myself because that was the fastest we had hiked since we started the hike. I was always, I think we were doing like a mile an hour, but, you know, we were climbing giant mountains. But um, that day we were doing like almost two miles an hour. And then she said, let's try to get 10 miles by lunch. I was like, all right, another five miles, three hours, we can do this. And it it was an easier hike. It wasn't like tons of mountains, but we were the terrain kept changing. We were walking through marshes and then we were walking around lakes and then we were walking through forests and then we were on dirt on like the side of a mountain. And then we were walking over roots and boulders. And it just kept changing. And I kept thinking like, this hike is so much like a video game. I feel like we're in different levels of a video game and I have to kind of get around these obstacles and find ways to get over them without breaking my ankle (laughs) and do it in a way that's quick so that we get there in time. So we stopped at noon. We ate a quick lunch. We were at 10 miles. And she said, all right, we only have three miles left to go and we have two hours. Let's do this. And we ended up, I don't know what we had for lunch that day. And I don't know how I was able to do this, but we ended up walking three and a half miles in one hour. (laughs) I think I like am really goal oriented. And I think I was really scared we were going to miss that canoe and we were going to have to camp on the side of the river that night. And I don't know why that was such a big fear, but I think I thought like, if we don't make it across that river, that says us back a whole day. And then we're going to have to walk like 25 miles one day. And what if, what if I can't do it? And I think it was just so, I was so afraid that we were going to get stuck in the woods and never make it back to our car that I was like, nothing is going to stop me from getting to this canoe by two o'clock. And I just like hauled ass up every single mountain. We're walking with trekking poles. So I have one in each hand and I was using my trekking poles to pull me up every mountain because my knees were so sore and my back was sore and like every muscle in my calves, my legs, my, my hips, everything were just so sore, but my arms were strong and they weren't sore. And so I was using those as much as I possibly could, especially on the descent to kind of, like I was using them as crutches to kind of hold my body weight because everything was just so painful and stiff. And it just felt like my, oh my God, the blister, I had so many blisters. I had two black toenails. I had like Oh, I was so sweaty and everything was just like not happy. And I could hear my ear, my heartbeat, like beating in my ear, in my right ear. I mean, it was like my, my blood pressure was so high and I was like, I don't know. I, I was, I was just like, we're gonna get on that canoe if it kills us. And my friend was such a fast hiker that when we started hauling ass through the woods, she didn't complain. She was like, all right, let's do this. We got there at one thirty, and she was like this is awesome. You did such a great job and let's keep up this pace. And I was like, um, no, we're not going to keep up this pace. (laughs) And we got across the the water. We came out and we were on a road in a small town called Caratunk. And when I say small town, I think there were, there are 200 people who live there. And she said to me, look, if you're really sore, and you're, everything's in pain, and your knees are a problem, and your back, your pack isn't is ill-fitting, and your back hurts. We can get off the trail right now. We can go to the beach. We can call an Uber, call a taxi, or whatever, and have it take us back to our car. We're in Maine already. Let's go down to a gunkwit. We can go to the beach. We can get lobster. We can get a hotel room. We can chill out and just relax for the rest of the vacation. What do you want to do? And I was like okay, if you're trying to get me to do something besides the thing we're planning to do, that's a really enticing option. (laughs) Like the beach, a comfy hotel room and lobster, like who says no to that? But then there was the other side where I'm like, no, I signed up for this thing. I'm determined to finish it. And I'm so goal oriented and I'm so curious about pushing myself even harder than I already have and wondering like, what's going to happen when I keep going with this hike and just feeling like there's this, this mystery needs to continue that I said to her, no. And I think I was yelling. I was like, no, we're not going to the beach. Like, I don't know who says it like that, but it's just like, we're not doing that. We're like, absolutely not. We're staying on this trail. And she's like, okay, are you sure? Cause we don't have to, I'm happy to go to the beach. And I was like, no, let's stay. And I remember just getting chills in that moment. Like, just feeling like this is the right choice. I have to do this, and I don't know why, but I have to. So that night, we stayed at a, a hiker bed and breakfast. It was kind of like a hostel. We each got a twin bed. We shared a room, and it was $20 per person, and we, we got our laundry done for a dollar. Um, the innkeeper did our laundry. He was amazing. He was a really cool guy. He made us milkshakes when we got there, and he used those giant silver cups in one of those old fashioned milkshake makers. And I drank that milkshake in 20 seconds and did not even notice it. And you've probably had a milkshake before and felt pretty full after it. There's something about hiker hunger where <laughs> you could have like seven milkshakes and still feel like, did I have, did I, what did I have? Like a water? I didn't, it just felt like nothing even happened. So we got back, we, we, finished the milkshakes, went upstairs and just laid in the beds. And I was like, oh my God, it's so soft. I love this bed so much. And it was a really small bed and I'm really tall. So my legs are like hanging over the the side of the bed frame. I don't care. I'm just like, this is a bed. It's not the ground. And my body was so sore that it just was like, like, it was like, sleeping on a teddy bear that was just hugging me in the best way and then I remembered after like 20 minutes of lying in this bed that there was a shower there and I was like oh my god I'm gonna take a shower I was so excited and my friend's like yeah go for it do it up and I got into the bathroom and I saw the shower and was like oh my gosh (laughs) I got in the shower and I was so dirty, like the water coming off of me was just brown and there was a face cloth in there and I was using that to like wipe every you know inch of my body and the, the face cloth was brown and I just felt like, oh, wow, like being clean is so exciting. <laughs> I never thought I would be clean again. <laughs> And I changed into clean clothes that the guy had washed for us. And I was like, wow, I feel like I could go to a wedding right now. <laughs> and I was wearing like my flip flops and like hiking shorts and tank top. But I was ready for the wedding. And the innkeeper drove us and, and another group to this restaurant down the street. And I ate a fish sandwich and french fries, and it was so delicious. And I was only in the woods for three days at this point, but you would have thought I was in the woods for three years, the way I was acting. Like everything was so brand new and exciting and like perfect. And I had a beer and that was incredible. <laughs> and we came home at eight 30 and we just like passed out, got up the next morning back to the, the road. And the next, that day we hiked 15 miles. The next day we hiked 10 miles and, my knees were completely destroyed. I mean, the terrain in Maine is just so rocky and unforgiving that going down any mountain, it's not like you're just kind of walking down a hill. Like you're stepping on these giant rocks that are all different angles and directions and distances apart. So you have to put that 50 pounds of weight on your back combined with your own body weight on that knee and your foot with every step. And I just was in excruciating pain for, you know, 30 miles of that, the rest of that hike or 45 miles, I should say. And each day as we went on, the knee pain was consistent while the soreness started to decrease. Uh, My feet were still very painful. They were swollen. There were, there were so many, I still have blisters and that was almost two months ago. I have Um, my, both of the two, my two black toenails both fell off like three weeks ago. (laughs) Sorry. And I've never had toenails fall off. It was kind of exciting. It was like these badges of honor and I kept them. I have them. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with them, but I feel like I earned them. (laughs) And I, I don't know like what you do with like black toenails, but I feel like I need to have them for some reason. And my, now I have these two little baby toenails growing in. They're pretty cute. And I mean, yeah, it was it was a real physical feat out there, you know. Th- the knee pain, especially, was the worst. So when we looked at the the elevation for the coming walk after we left Carrotunk, I said, "All right, at least we didn't we don't have any of those crazy mountains left. We some of them are a little little smaller, and the descent isn't as." Abrupt, So hopefully, you know, we can just take it slow and we'll get through it. And that's exactly what we did. We, I, I could hike up a mountain so quickly by the end, but hiking down the mountain, it was like I was 130 years old and I was just like taking one step every 10 seconds. And my friend was being so patient and just kind to me because she could go down that mountain in no time. And I was like, wait up for me, Sonny! I'm just taking my time back here. <laughs> and I realized... Inexperience and lack of training is what leads to those sorts of injuries, but if I had taken a little more time to understand my body and understand where the weaknesses lie and where I might be out of alignment or have trouble with... You know, maybe my shoes weren't correct, or maybe like the fact that I had this giant backpack that didn't fit me was a problem. If I had spent more time planning on those things, I wouldn't have experienced the amount of knee pain and back pain and soreness that I did. And that was unfortunate because it was such a focal point of the hike, but that it sort of took away from the beauty of what we were experiencing because we were hiking to the you know, to the summit of so many beautiful mountains that were surrounded by these crystal clear lakes and these beautiful, like, you know, just forests below and miles and miles of forests. We felt like we were in the middle of nowhere and at the same time at the top of the world. And I felt powerful and I felt like I'm pushing through so much pain every single second. And I'm, surprising myself every day that I can keep doing this, even though I know in the past, like at basketball tryouts in high school, the day after I was so sore and I was like, I can't go to school. I'm too sore to walk. And I think back at that, I'm like, how, what a baby. (laughs) Like if you're able to push through that soreness, you find out that like you, you start to feel better. But if you don't even try, then you just believe that you're weak. And so I started to learn every single day that I'm much stronger than I think, both physically and mentally, because so much of the game on the trail is mental. Believing that you can do something is what gets you to actually doing it. And we would get, you know, halfway up a mountain and I would look up and see the terrain ahead of me and think, Oh my God, there's no way I can do this. It is so steep. I don't have rock climbing skills. This bag is going to pull me up, pull me backward off the mountain. I don't know how to like, you know, scramble up this thing. And every time I would get to it, I would just do it. Like I knew how to do it. And I don't know why, I don't know how I just did it. And I think there's something to be said for facing challenges and overcoming them and recognizing that, oh, my God, I just did that thing I thought I couldn't do. And doing it like hundreds of times over and over again and realizing like, holy cow, I'm like actually kind of a badass. (laughs) So some things that started to happen later on in the hike were... One was my change in the way I thought about the woods. When I first got there, I felt like I had no business being in the woods. I didn't know what was out there. I didn't know what could get me. I didn't know if, if I was going to be eaten, if I was going to turn around and see a bear chasing me. I had no idea what to expect. And honestly, I felt so comforted by the, the trail markers and the actual trail because I knew, like, no matter what, if I stay on this trail, I won't get lost. But I still felt like I don't know what's out here, and I don't know if I get out of my tent in the middle of the night what's going to happen to me. Like, that was so scary, and it was always in the back of my mind. But by the end of the hike, the last couple of days, I felt like I live in the woods now. Like, this is my home, and when I hear water, I know to go toward it because that's what I'm going to drink to stay alive. And I know that when I'm at the top of a mountain, that means I'm going to challenge myself in a whole new way to get to the bottom. And, you know, I know that when the sun starts to come up, that's when I wake up and that's when I start my day. And you just start to acclimate to your environment and your surroundings and realize like, I'm part of this now. This is my world. And at the end, I was like, I hope a bear comes up to me because I would love to meet a bear. (laughs) <laughs> and like, I want to shake its hand. <laughs> and I, we kept seeing moose droppings and I kept thinking like, oh my God, how cool would it be to see a moose? I was no longer scared of running into a moose. I was like welcoming the moose. I'm like, please, I, w- I want to see you in real life. I never saw an, an- a large animal. I saw like 58 toads because I counted one every, I counted every time I saw one, but I never saw any large animals. But the point is that by the end, I felt like the woods were my home and I no longer felt like a visitor or an alien. I felt like we were in this, I was like on the same level as the woods. I totally got what was going on there and it felt so comforting and welcoming. And it started to make me question everything about what was at home. Like, why do I have this giant house? My house is not actually that big. It's like 1800 square feet. But in my mind, I was like, my house is gigantic. Cause for seven days I've been living out of a small backpack and Small tent for two people. So, why do I have this giant house? That is so wasteful and it's so unnecessary and it feels like a giant burden and a major responsibility. And I don't understand why I put that on myself. And I started to think about as I was walking all the things I was going to get rid of when I got home like all these unnecessary physical items that take up space in my brain and complicate things and create all of this busyness and all of this noise that I'd finally gotten rid of for the first time in my life. And I also had an office, which was like a 1200 square foot office and it had a lot of furniture in it. And it was a great place for me to go and focus and get my work done. But what I realized was I had this office that was a burden. It was like another thing I had to take care of. I had to pay the bills. I had to keep it clean. I had to make sure that like everything was safe there and okay. And when I got home, the first thing I said was I need to get rid of my office and I want to start getting rid of some of this furniture and I want to sell this house. And my husband's like, Whoa, um, (laughs) what, what are you talking about? (laughs) And I started to express to him how, how, I think irresponsible I've been with the amount of clutter and items I've acquired over my lifetime and how complicated I've made my life by having all of these items around me all the time. Like just knowing that I have the option to wear one of 75 pairs of underwear every day is exhausting. And to know I could wear one of 40 dresses at any given time is Overwhelming. So why am I giving myself so many headaches and decisions to make when I could simplify things by just having like 10 pairs of underwear and like two pairs of pants or two dresses? Why do I need 80? I have no idea. And so for the last two months I've been selling things, donating things, giving things to friends because that hike taught me that in order to quiet all the noise in your mind and in order to feel more at ease and to simplify your responsibilities and simplify your thoughts simplify your world around you and that for me meant getting rid of all the clutter and I'm already like I'm not a hoarder I don't have a ton of stuff in my house but I when I got home I felt like oh my god I am being suffocated by that couch over there (laughs) and like why do I have so much clothes and I immediately got rid of I'd say 70% of my clothes And when I did that, I felt so much better. I kept only the things I absolutely love wearing and I got rid of all the rest. And when I look in my closet now, I feel good. And when I went, I went through file cabinets that were just like so aggravating. Every time I opened them, I'd go, Oh my God, what am, where is that one piece of paper I need? And I organized all of that. I organized my bathroom closet, which is like one of those projects you never do, but you always open the door and go, Oh God, one of these days I have to clean this out. And then you don't. But I finally did that and I realized like, I don't really use anything in my bathroom closet. I have like five products I use every day and the rest of it is like, what if one day I need that thing, which I've never needed, got rid of all that stuff. And so this hike really showed me that there is not a lot we need to survive. I learned that I needed water, I needed food, and I needed the clothes on my back and my shelter and everything else was frivolous and it was adding to the confusion and the feeling of anxiety because I had so much stuff I had to take care of all the time. And so this has, this theme has continued with me. and has not gone away since I got home, which I'm really happy about. Cause I was like, as I was having these feelings on the trails, like, I hope this stays. Like, I hope this isn't just like this temporary thing. Like when you get back from a trip and you're like, I'm going to only wear red dresses for the rest of my life because I was in Spain and that's what people do. Like, it's not one of those things. It's more like I want to make a giant lifestyle shift and this is important to me and, and it still is. So I'm happy about that. And just yesterday I moved out of my office. I sold almost everything in my office and I'm really happy about that. Like it felt really good to just get it out of my life and to be able to move on and, just keep it simple. You know, that's simplicity as easy as it sounds is very hard to accomplish, (laughs) especially if you're someone who likes a lot of different things. It also made me think about the clutter of ideas. I'm definitely an idea person. I have a lot of energy. I'm always thinking about things. I'm thinking about how to do things differently. What else I could incorporate into my business what else I could be doing to grow. And while I love that about myself, it's also kind of a curse because I'm constantly collecting information and I'm constantly writing down ideas, filling up notebooks. And in a way, that creates more clutter in my life too because I don't give my chan- myself a chance to let go of that stuff. I'm just constantly mm-hmm. holding on to it. And so I decided on that hike that next time I come up with an idea, I'm not going to write it down. And I'm going to see how long it stays in my mind. And if it stays for more than a week, then I'll actually sit down and think about what it means to me. And if it's something I want to put into practice, if it is a fleeting thought that just shows up one day and then disappears, then that's all it was. It was a fleeting thought that wasn't meant to be, you know, written down and held on to. It was just something that came into my head. And I remember I attended a retreat weekend with Kate Northrup, who is an amazing author and blogger in Maine. Oh, it was also in Maine. It was in October uh, about two years ago. And one of the things she said in that retreat that has stuck with me is if you have an idea and you don't act on it, but it stays with you for weeks or months or years, those are the ideas to act on because those are the pieces of you that really need to be heard and need to be turned into something. So pay attention to those. And I have had a couple of those over the years. And I thought, you know, maybe, maybe I should do something about those ideas. So I tried to apply that same logic to my ideas as I was coming out of the woods, instead of filling 25 notebooks with all kinds of ideas and information and thoughts and reflections, I'm just going to hold on to it in my head and let it see if it becomes anything. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't. And that has been going on now for two months. And I feel so free. Like it was almost like by writing down all of my ideas, it was like I was chained to them and I had to do something about them. And they felt really heavy to carry around all the time. But now that I have an idea and I just let it like float out, it feels light and easy. And it's just like, Okay. It's just like, it's gone. It's fine. So that that's really nice. And I've also thought a lot more about the power of focus and the power of just doing a couple things really well. Cause when you're hiking, all you're doing is walking <laughs> and it's just walking in the woods and you're building muscle and you're eating and you're meeting other hikers and you're getting to know your hiking partner better and you're getting to know the woods better and all these things are happening, but really all you're doing is walking and it's simple. And when you can just focus on that one thing, then you can focus on all the things going on around it. But when you have 10 projects going on at once, you miss all of those little side lessons that are going on with all of them because you're just trying to get it done. And I think that really helped me to realize that The three major things that I have going on in my life right now with my business are the only three things I can be doing right now. And if I were to add more, I would take away from the value and the impact and the significance of each of those three things, because you just can't do all of those things well at the same time. So focusing on my speaking school for women, this podcast and my speaker sisterhood network uh, speaking clubs, that's enough. Like that's perfect. And being content with that is a huge deal for me because I'm never content. I'm always like, I could be doing more. And what about this? And I want to join that group. And it just like, it's, it becomes a problem because there's just too much to take in and to actually be present for. And so this hike was a great way to, to just kind of bring me back to the fact that like, I'm only a human with 24 hours in my day and I only have so much energy. So Let's cut out the BS and just focus on what matters. And that was really helpful. And I also realized, you know, on the flip side of that, that focusing is really scary because what if you're missing out on something else like FOMO, you know, fear of missing out. That's what I think stops us from fully embracing the experience of the things we've already committed to doing. All right. I want to just add, I guess the last part is the last day of the hike. It was Saturday morning. We had to walk nine miles to get out of the woods and back to our car. And I was like in so much pain. My feet were just so angry. And I'd slept, I think I slept with them up the wall that night. We were in the shelter and they were so swollen. (laughs) I think they were like three sizes bigger. (laughs) I mean, I don't know, but they were just huge and so hot and everything was just, smelly and sweaty. And I had so much trash in my bag from all the wrappers and the food. And we were so low on food that day. And we were like, okay, we're going to get back to the car and we could buy a shower for like $2 from this place right by where we parked our car. And there was a little breakfast place to get whatever we wanted for breakfast. And those last nine miles were definitely the hardest of the whole, the whole hike. They felt like 180 miles (laughs) because every mile just was like, Oh God, so long. It's so far away. How are we going to get there? And we see this sign like six or seven miles in that says, if you want to take the road, it's two miles instead of taking the trail, which is three miles. And I said to my friend, can we just take the road, please? I'm so tired. I can't hike anymore. And, She's like, are you sure? And I said, please, like, I have to. And we get on the road, and we're just baking in the sun on the hot cement (laughs) for two miles. And all these cars are driving by us, and I'm like, should we hitchhike? And she's like, do you want to end your hike hitchhiking? I was like, no, (laughs) we're not hitchhiking. (laughs) And we walked the last two miles, and I could see the bed and breakfast where we parked our car Like all the way down the street I saw the flag And I was like oh my god we're here Oh my god I felt like we had been Gone for eight years <laughs> It was like <laughs> I was like alright Keep going you can do this It's only like a quarter mile left Let's do. It. And that quarter mile felt like 90 miles We walked into The parking lot and there was our car And I was like we're here we made it We're alive we did it And we walked back into the building and they had like a bunch of showers. We got to take showers. I think I took a shower for like 15 minutes and I was busy the whole time, like shaving and just like, I, I think I used a whole bar of soap. I washed my hair twice. I was like so happy and I was so tired. It was like, everything was taking so long. I was like falling asleep while washing my legs. <laughs> like I felt like everything needed immediate attention. It was like, wait, what do I wash first? Everything is so dirty. <laughs> And I put on this white and brown striped cotton dress I have. It's just like a knee length dress. And I usually wear it as pajamas to bed. So it was kind of a funny thing I packed. I was like, why did I decide to wear this like in public? And I immediately felt really (laughs) self-conscious, which I don't normally feel. But I was like coming out of the shower, feeling so clean around all these people. And there was like traffic and people like, you know, milling around doing their work and I just felt like really exposed, you know, because in the woods it felt so comfortable and quiet and like we are a million miles away from everything. And now all of a sudden I'm standing on a main street in my pajama dress and all the dirt and the sweat is washed off of me, which in a way felt like protection too. And I started to feel really uncomfortable and I got my phone, I turned my phone on for the first time in seven days. And I had a little bit of a signal. So I called my husband and he he's like, hello. And I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm done. And he was like, how do you feel? And I go, I just hiked 75 miles and I just started crying. And it was like so intense. And I'm standing on the sidewalk and I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I felt like an alien again. The way I felt when I entered the woods seven days earlier was how I now felt standing on the sidewalk. And my husband's like, okay, (laughs) you know, like you're okay. That's great. Good job. I'm so proud of you. What do you want me to make for you when you get home? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, it's just so weird. I can't believe this. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And He's like, okay, well just let me know when you're going to be back. And I was like, I got to go and like got off the phone. and was like, where am I? Like it just, the transition was really rough and my friend comes out and meets me and we go into this diner and we ordered breakfast and I got like three breakfasts. I had eggs and sausage and like homemade baked beans and like cornbread. And I don't even know. It was just like plates everywhere. And I ate all of it. (laughs) And I had like five glasses of water. I was so thirsty and we didn't talk for the whole meal. I don't even remember if she was, I'm pretty sure she was there, but I don't remember because I was so focused on everything in front of me and just eating and finally getting like enough calories and nourishment and eating like really good food instead of just like packaged food and nuts. And it was so, it was so like exciting, but also really scary and weird. Like when you end something that, felt really important to you and now all of a sudden it's over and you don't know how to explain it. We got in the car and I was like just so sore when we got in the car and I was like all right now we're gonna sit in the car for like a long time (laughs) and my feet were so sore and like blistered still and my toenail one toenail was really infected so I had a a band-aid on that and it was just it was a weird drive home, and we ended up going to the beach for a day because it was a Saturday, and we had an, one day left before we had to be back. And we did end up getting lobsters in a hotel room that Saturday night, and I just, like, laid down in that bed. And I had, we had a king-size bed, and it was so funny because we were used to sleeping in this tiny two-person tent where we were basically sleeping, like, back-to-back. Back. And now we're in a king-size bed, and there's, like, six feet between us. And I was, like, in this state of shock, like how uh, the world is so big and frivolous and like, like, why is everything so big? (laughs) And, you know, like I said, I'm excited that I'm still pondering those questions and how much stuff we actually need in our lives to be happy and safe and to survive. That weekend in particular was, was very strange for me. And, you know, I've had a lot of, changes in my thinking since then about like how I want to live my life and the the simplicity factor and the focus on just a few things at a time. So you get the most out of them and how to just be present and fight through the things that feel like they're too hard because chances are they're not too hard. You're just telling yourself a story about them being too hard because I bet you, you're a lot stronger than you think. So I want to give you a challenge that I hope you will take me up on. Cause I would love to feature your story in an upcoming episode of claim the stage. Your challenge is to do something you think you can't do. And I'm making this pretty vague because this might end up being something to do with public speaking or it might be something totally different like take a painting class and you might be saying like why is that hard but if you're someone who thinks you're not creative taking a painting class is extremely hard to do because you think you're not someone who should be there or maybe go to dinner alone if you're someone who has a hard time doing things by yourself I want to challenge you to go eat dinner by yourself and see how it goes Maybe read something you wrote at an open mic night. Get up on stage and read your poetry or read a journal entry. Maybe take a long hike, something like I did, something longer than you think you can do. Or ask someone you like on a date or, I don't know, have a difficult conversation with someone you've been avoiding. Your challenge is to do something you think you can't do and then see how you respond. I want you to notice what you're telling yourself leading up to it. Like what stories you're telling yourself, what beliefs you have about yourself, what fears come up and write all that stuff down. And then I want you to notice what you're telling yourself, why you're doing it. Cause you're probably saying like, Oh my God, this isn't going well. <laughs> I shouldn't be here. What am I thinking? This is the worst idea I've ever had. You're probably gonna have a lot of that. And then notice how you feel afterwards, because you're probably going to notice it went way better than you imagined. And then I want you to write me a letter about it and share your thoughts because I would love to read it on my podcast. And you can do this anonymously or you can sign your name, whatever you want. I'd love to hear what you learned after you did something you thought you could not do. Just like the story I just told you about my hike, I would love to hear something similar because these moments where we say I'm going to do this is when we learn the most about ourselves. And when we decide to stay safe and say I'm not someone who does that, we miss the lesson and we miss important moments that could change our life forever. So I hope my story about my hike has inspired you to get outside of your everyday life, get outside of your everyday thinking and do something different. I want you to do this by December 1st and send me your letter by December 1st, because I'd like to read the letters in an episode that month. This hike has forever changed my life. And I know that it's the beginning of many, many, many more. And I would love to hike the whole Appalachian Trail next year. And it's been on my mind since the second I got home. (laughs) So um, if you do something of equal discomfort, I know that you will learn something as well. And it may even change your life to the same extent that it changed mine. You may find a new hobby. You may find a new business or career path. You may find a new spouse. I mean, there's just so many opportunities when you push yourself outside of what you think is possible. And I hope that in listening to this episode, you've heard some things that resonated with you that will inspire you to take those next steps to being the person you really want to be. And as always, my friends, stop waiting, start creating. See you next time.